0: Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett, and this is science for people who give a shit. Folks, there's a lot going on out there. Our world is changing and being changed every single day, and you can take part in that change. I talk to the smartest, most impactful people on the planet to provide you with the inspiration and tools you need to feel better and to fight for a better future for everyone. Our guests are scientists and doctors, nurses and journalists, policymakers, farmers, engineers, educators, astronauts. If you want to be inspired to find out how to make radical change, hit the subscribe button right now to get even more conversations, stories, and tools coming soon. You can also scroll through the feed or go to podcast.importantnotimportant.com to find 120-plus evergreen episodes covering everything from clean energy to cancer And artificial intelligence to regenerative agriculture. Some quick housekeeping. You can send questions, thoughts, and feedback to us on Twitter at ImportantNotImp, or you can email us at Questions at ImportantNotImportant.com. You can also join tens of thousands of other leaders and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Get the most vital science news plus exclusive analysis and action steps. And third, you can find new, impactful work on the front lines of the future at importantjobs.com. If you already work for a company or an organization doing that work, you can list your open roles there for very affordable rates and get them in front of our entire community. In this week's conversation, I am so excited to talk with Vida Asebu and Anthony Oni, two incredible climate venture capitalists with fascinating backgrounds, and these two are working to not only slow the climate crisis, as if that's not enough, but even more so to build a vastly more inclusive VC industry along the way. I learned so much from talking with these two humans, and I know you will too. For avocado green brands, sustainability comes first. They craft their GOTS-certified organic mattresses, pillows, and bedding with natural materials sourced from their organic farms in India in their own clean energy-powered facility in Los Angeles, where their team shares a singular purpose, to raise the bar for what it means to be a sustainable business. Avocado is climate-neutral certified for net-zero emissions and donates 1% of all revenue to environmental nonprofits through its membership with 1% for the Planet. Find out what it means to sleep organic at avocadomattress.com. My guests today are Vita Asebu and Anthony Oni and together we are talking about building a radically more inclusive investment ecosystem which uh, it's a pretty low bar and uh and just in time because things are <laughs> blowing up in more ways than one. Uh Vita and Anthony welcome. Hey, Thank you yeah. for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. I uh I really appreciate you spending the time. Um, Vita uh, and Anthony, take turns, whatever works. If you could tell the people real quick who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Well, I'll kick it off. Uh, Anthony Oni I am now serving as a management partner of what is called the Elevate Future Fund, which is a fund that's part of the Energy Impact Partners that's really focused on creating a clean energy transition uh, making investments in the clean energy space. And the fund that we manage, Elevate uh, Future Fund, is focused on uh, helping us move to a clean energy future but ensuring that we also build a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable uh, future by making investments uh, in the underrepresented groups uh, in the U.S.
0: Rock and roll. No small task. One and uh, and <laughs> um,
2: and I'm a principal on within the Elevate Future Fund, and I work on the investment side to ensure that we have all the, the right organiz- all the right companies um, that, we, that we want to have represented in our portfolio across our three different approaches. Uh, within Elevate, we are investing within the direct equity side of things. We're also providing credit capital. And we're also making investments in the in the ecosystem and ensuring that there is alignment with other funds, incubators, and accelerators. And so we are investing in them as well.
0: Awesome, covering your basis. no small task. But uh, I, I we are all appreciative of it for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So uh, before we get really into this thing, I like to start with one important question. It's a little preposterous but it sets a tone for this fiasco a little bit so instead of asking you to repeat your entire life story as fascinating as i'm sure that is uh, i like to ask uh, vita and anthony why are you vital to the survival of these species i encourage you to be bold you're here for a reason anthony's already laughing at me which is pretty typical for this question
1: no, it's a great question. You know, I think there's a collective we in the in response to this this answer. I, I may not say that I am I am that critical in the grand scheme of things, but I think the work that we're doing and what we represent uh, is very, very critical. Um, so in a couple couple ways I'll try to address that, and I'm sure Bita uh, also has, has some, some input on this as well. But, you know, why are we critical? I think when you look at just, you know, stepping back, um, you look at the challenges that we're facing as a society, Two of the greatest challenges that I see in front of us right now, it's around climate change and this transition to a more sustainable future, and also some of the social uh, unrest and social uh, issues that we see in our life. And these things are getting more pronounced uh, unless there is action, unless there is contradiction, unless we are more intentional about how we are solving those issues. So what we represent is is that change, is that—is that impact, uh, in the sense that we are we are looking to address some of these these, these issues, and I think the role that we have, especially the work that we're doing at Elevate Future Fund, it's it's really tapping two of the most challenging problems, right, around climate change or on social uh, issues. And and I think the collective we, uh, the other like minded individuals, the other folks who are working in this space that we also have a uh, great fortune of working alongside, recognize that you know if we don't do something now. Uh, if we don't do something now to start to address some of these issues and start to rectify and fix some of these, then our future doesn't look as bright as we think it ought to be. From a climate perspective, but also from uh, addressing some of the social inequities that we've seen. And, and quite often times, these are not issues that you see outside your door today, but they manifest over time. They're manifesting in 5, 10, you know, uh, a period of time. And by then, it's, it's, all, it's more than likely too late to do something right then. Um, So we we have to start now to try to address those. So I I think we're important in in the sense that we are trying to solve these issues and we're trying to solve them with the best available talent, the best available resources that we have today uh, and really make sure that we're making an impact, not only for for, for our lifetime, but for the future generations ahead.
0: Yeah, that works. I mean, you could just do this whole thing. You don't even need me at this point. That's fantastic. Uh, Vito, what about you? What, uh, and again, it can be, you know, as part of a team, why do you feel like this has to be you?
2: Absolutely. So the thing, the thing for me is that I, I know that I have the ability to consolidate the experiences, the knowledge from the experiences that I've had in order to provide solutions for others that are either going through a same a similar experience, the same experience or other ones. And so I have received this opportunity to do exactly what I what I want to do, taking my finance experience from over the years and thinking through what the founder experience is and what that looks like given the experience that I've seen watching my parents as as entrepreneurs themselves I am marrying all of the you know all of the opportunities and all the learnings that I have been able to see observe and experience myself in order to help founders and and company owners that require support from a person who who knows and you know I had a conversation earlier this week about you know just about the the value of conveying late-stage company experience from my investment banking experience and being able to help a company that is in its early stages and it's is in its nascent stage um grow and develop to be that late stage company that will be able to have an impact in the market and so i um I would say that the fact that I'm able to take the opportunities that or the experiences that I've had to this point, and to you know convey that to others is something that is unique to to my experience and unique for me as a person of color within the spaces, and sometimes the first and only person of color within the spaces that I've navigated. So I'm helping others that are coming into the same or pioneering in the same way that i have in the past to to do that for the businesses that they have that they're trying to grow in the market and you know it's it's a privilege to be able to do this Uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes you wonder why you have the experiences that that you have or why you go through certain things but I know that everything, every no experience is a waste. And so I'm making sure that I'm I'm recycling, reusing, and repurposing the experiences that I've had for others that require that support from me.
0: I, I love that. And and thank you for sharing that perspective. I, I mean, I feel like that's something we all grow. And of course, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a very privileged, uh, straight white man in America in 2021. You know, my challenge is, whether those done to me or or self induced, uh, uh, pale in comparison to to so many folks. Um, but I do feel like as we get older, we get a little bit more of that perspective. Like you were saying, that, that that nothing we go through, no no challenge, is actually a waste. There there are ways to incorporate that into the way we live our lives every day, but also the work that we do and the way we can try to you know, directly and indirectly mentor people who are coming up behind us to say like, I, you know, I, I, wait, I've, I've been there. Like I can't, I can't get you through it, but I can, I can help you think about it a little more differently with some perspective, hopefully.
2: And, yeah. and I appreciate that Quinn, because if, if you think about the, the individuals that we're supporting with the Elevate Future Fund, it, mm-hmm. it is going to be a, a slate of entrepreneurs that haven't had all the capital in the, resources available to them. and so the fact that we do have the opportunity to to provide that to these entrepreneurs that we want to bring into the ecosystem is incredible and the fact that we can use the experiences that we've developed and and you know the the knowledge that we've garnered thus far in order to help them is is incredibly important and we're so grateful to have that impact.
0: I love it. I mean, wh- you know, look, I, I do some uh, some angel stuff. I've been I've prodded to, to start some sort of rolling fund to address all the things we talk about, but haven't, don't have the bandwidth to do this sort of thing. But also, you know, it's not difficult to look around. And this is, you know, when I first learned about you, you guys from uh, from from Kim and Sophie over at uh, Climate Tech VC, who do just such a tremendous job covering your your area. And I know you guys work with Kim, right? it's not difficult to look at a place like Silicon Valley or where most of the venture capital stuff is and go, Oh, it's mostly white. It's another thing to like really look at the statistics and go, Oh, only, you know, uh, 15% or so of, of VC partners are, are women and women founders get like less than, I don't know, four or 5% of, of, of VC dollars. And, and, um, you know, uh, uh, people of color are, are barely on the register when it comes to LPs and, and GPs. Um, Like it's more essential than ever. Full stop. Like forget everything else that's going on. That that becomes much more equitable on both sides, much more cooperative and inclusive. But of course, we're also in now in this era. It's not you know it's not really a moment. The the climate crisis is here. It's here for the rest of our lives and our children's lives. And not to put you guys on the spot, but I when I look at my age and the rest of my lifetime, I mean decarbonization is is the mission of our lifetime of our work span right? Um, and and the, the, the work that we have to do, the transitions that all of our industries and systems will have to go through, and the effects we're going to feel no matter what, really only change more radically from here. Um, and, you know, um, and I, I've written a little about this, but like with COVID, the choices that we've made up to this point are what got us here. And so it's very clear that we need a more Cooperative and inclusive range of perspectives to start to address both through adaptation and mitigation these enormous variety of often connected issues that we are facing. So it seems like there has never been a better time than to have folks like yourselves involved in this sort of thing. And not just because of who you are, but also again, those experiences you've had in the places and industries you've worked in before. So I'm curious if you could each talk for a moment about your past careers that got you here, and what might be transferable as you bring it to to this to this newer endeavor. Because again, two of my sort of favorite angles lately are: why do you have to do this? Uh, why do you feel like you have to do this? But also, from an outside perspective, you know, why does it have to be you? And and uh, both of you are, you, you know, you didn't just. Join as LPs with a bunch of money when you are young, and you've been raised in the VC fund system. You know you're bringing these fascinating perspectives to it that could be so constructive to what you are trying to do with this with this fund. So if you could just take a little time to talk about that, so that people have a landscape for for who you are and what you're bringing to the table.
1: You no, know, uh, thank you. You know uh, this this notion of experiences is so important, and I think more and more now we, we're starting to realize. That in order to have a better solve, a more complete solve for the challenges, these experiences are things of value that that we each uniquely bring to the table. And what we're talking about in a lot of cases is making sure that that we're being very thoughtful about um, inviting others, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Whether by through through uh, through capital, through voice, uh, to participate in how these these things are solved. No, for me, it started early on, um, b- before a career. Uh, my father, I uh, was born in Morristown, New Jersey. My father worked at Bell Labs at the time. And growing up with a father that is that is an engineer at heart, you know, you, you end up building everything in life. You know, anything that gets broken in a house, we don't go to the store and just buy a new one. We not no. have to fix it. No, you got to fix it. We we I spent my childhood just fixing. Literally, I was doing home improvement projects at the age of like four years old. You know, uh, <laughs> in, in all the houses we've had. But it's a really great experience for me, though, because just um, you know, if you think about Bell Labs and what they've done, and uh, which we still live with a lot of the the innovations that came out of that. Oh, yeah. This notion of of being able to to build something, especially building something that scaled, has always fascinated me.
0: And I, I had
1: a chance to go to school at uh, Auburn University uh, down south. And that as a whole was a was just a phenomenal experience. Um, a lot of life-shaping experiences as, as, as part of that. Graduated and ended up working um, in the utility business. But I, I'm going to tell you, I never wanted to work in the utility business. It was the funniest <laughs> thing from my mind. I didn't really know anything about the utility business. I, I graduated right after the dot com burst, and my, my goal at the time was to go work in Silicon Valley, go work in the startup space, and go build uh, build some stuff. And I ended up working for a southern company, one of the largest utilities in the southeast, based in the southeast, uh, and worked in Birmingham, Alabama, for a subsidiary company called Alabama Power. And during that time, I had a whole host of roles. But one of the things that I came to appreciate, um, you know, someone that has a builder mindset is that the utility, uh, in a lot of a lot of ways, is is a great construct for how we're trying to solve some of these problems. In the sense that you you have an obligation to serve really everyone in in your service area, uh, no matter who you are, right? So you've got to build your your system to serve all, not just a few. But you you also have to make sure that you know you are. Um, you're understanding those customers' needs and you're spending time with those uh, those, those those customers. And that's what sort of really the power relationships really uh was really on the score for me. Uh, one of the roles I had working at the utilities was in the economic and community development organization. Um, and in that role, you know, I remember my my boss at the time, he told me, he said, Anthony, if you're in the office more than two days consecutively a week you work doing your job. And so my job was was to go out to the rural parts of our state, um, meet with mayors, county commissioners, you know, uh, folks working to improve the communities, and and you had to build these relationships and this connectivity, um, and you had to do it in a way where you were really working to try to position these these communities for uh, economic growth. Uh, work through leadership programming, work through strategic planning, working through asset mapping to figure out the best position this community could could be in. And you're you're building something for for, for the long term. And when we talk about this, you know, this transition in in, in energy and climate change, it does require us to have just a wider aperture on how we are thinking about um, building that and really how we use capital to build that. You mentioned earlier on just some disparities that we're seeing, one, one stat that just continues to uh, just really just blow my mind. It really just, I think, speaks to the, the challenge when we're talking about how we solve this in a more complete way. Uh, this was a stat from the National Academy of Sciences of the research they did uh, a while ago. Um, but when you look at the, the amount of global financial assets under management, this is global. It's about $69 million globally. This makes up, you know, mutual funds, hedge funds, uh, private equity, venture equity, and whatnot. You, you have fewer than 1.3 that that is managed by women and people of color. And so, when you, when you, when you appreciate that for a little bit, right? When you got 69.1 trillion dollars of global assets under management, and only less, only 1.3 of that is managed by women and people of color. And uh, in the U.S., um, that that's that's it's it's less than one percent. Of, of founders have access to, to venture capital, you, you realize that you know you do have to make sure that that access to capital is important because again you will not have a complete picture, right? Mm-hmm. And as we're going through this 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 um, this transition of sustainability, focusing of, of, of on sustainability, you, you come to realize that. This, by far, decarbonizing our our world and economy is by far the largest economic opportunity that we will see in our lifetime. It's bigger than what we've seen in the past. It's bigger than the whole dot coms and the the internet domain as a whole. And so it's really important that as we're thinking about how to solve these problems, especially the role that capital plays, that we are being very thoughtful about how we're making sure that more people have access to this capital. Uh, and, And we're being thoughtful about how these solutions are being solved. And in large part, they're solved by increasing an aperture and making sure that people who have different lived experiences have a hand and have a path to, to help and solve these these challenges. If we let it be solved by the same people, you know, who traditionally have solved some of these uh, these problems or, or being involved in the innovation space, you know, I, I, I fear we won't have a complete, a complete uh, solve. And beyond just, you know, whatever the technical solves are, what we're starting to realize now is that you know, i think you see this pressure from from large institutional investors you know when we focus on esg issues is that what we do and what we solve is important but how we solve it is equally important right you, you go through uh the of you know, the past where you've seen the effects of of the the industrial growth that we've had in, in the us right a lot of great things came out of it but also how we went about doing some of those things weren't probably the right way to do it right we've seen the same thing i think even even now we're starting to question some of the the hypergrowth we've seen in in the tech space, in the social space, uh, sure. as a whole, right? Uh, and I think as we go through solving climate, and we go through uh, a more sustainable future, we we want to think about what we're doing, but how we do this well, making sure, sure. that uh, we have broader communities that that have a chance to participate, that have a chance to win on this. We know that underrepresented uh, communities, Black and Brown communities across the U.S., unfortunately. Uh, um, bear the brunt of you know some of the, the environmental justice issues that we see. Sure. And so by allowing more people who have different experiences, um, folks like Vita and I and others who who traditionally have not participated in, in, in the front end of some of these uh, really opportunistic uh, important economies and markets. You know, participate in a way funded by, by by capital, but also supported by ecosystem. I do think we'll actually get a better solve, uh, and, and we'll have we we'll have a, a more complete uh, picture um, in, in shaping that future. So, I think those those experiences are important. So, for me, you know, the time that I spent working in the utility space really grounded on me on some of those really important aspects of how you serve and how you serve um, not just the few but the day, uh and, and really sure. everyone. Um, the other thing that was really important for me um, in in the utility space was um, actually working on some of these, these issues uh, around um, access. I was very fortunate uh, during the time to work in a lot of different social impact projects that are really focused on education. And collaborated with a lot of great companies like like Apple and and Alabama Power and Southern Company and and working on some of these issues and trying to solve some of these. And what you realize is that these problems didn't get started yesterday, right? They're systemic issues within the communities and and they really kind of fall into, um, you know, a lot, a lot of pipeline issues where we're where, 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 where not seeing as many people involved in some of these things in the early end, in the early, sure. in the early stage. So making sure we have more people going into these fields in engineering, making sure we have more folks focused on the environment. Um, that's also part of that solve uh, and, right. and making sure that we have a more complete picture uh, in the
0: future. Well, and that's what, it, I mean, when you look at, it's not just what movies does Disney put out or where does this pipeline go or or whatever? Or how do we fix this change? And I, I, again, I'm, you know, I'm I'm sure you've seen uh, as, as the parent of a young soccer player and so on. And they ask, constantly asking why, why, why? Right. But it does get you to the root of the problem, which is not just like, how are we going to do this? Or what are we going to do? You got to go all the way back to like, wait, who is actually participating in the question asking? Who is actually in the room when we're trying to decide how are we going to even think about doing this? And if you're excluding the same people we've always excluded, you're inherently, after all this time, going to get to very similar answers to what got us here. So it starts with that, right? It starts with that representation of folks in the room to ask questions like, should we be doing this? How should we be thinking about this? Who else can we cooperate with? to do this. Vita, can you talk a little bit about what that's meant for your journey along the way to get to where you are?
2: No, I I would say that it has been important for me to to understand just what the problems are and the needs of the the people that that do seek or that need to be included.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: and that's where the the benefit of my experience has been so helpful, you know, as you know, as a daughter of entrepreneurs, I have seen what the founder journey has looked like over the years. Still part of the founder journey. My parents are, are still involved in their businesses. And I have been able to extrapolate that, that understanding to other areas for, for the founders that do come to me today asking for help, support, advice in, in, you know, with regard to what they're doing. And then also this is translated into providing support for other investors as they're thinking through how to support founders from their, uh, from their vantage point. Um, I would say that having a community of, of people who understand what, what you're going through as a founder or as an investor, that these are, you know, that is something that is incredibly important to have. And for these I guess you could say, like these communities of of diverse individuals who do not have, you know, the, the the legacy of of resources and sweat equity put in their put forth in their direction. That it has been incredibly important to to really, you know, use that that community as a resource for that catch up sure. that needs to happen. Sure. Um, and so being in the midst of that and supporting with the experiences that that I you know, that I've had and that I've been able to develop over the years that has been important for me as a contributor to this, to this environment and this ecosystem and, and this, you know, universe of of people that are, are working to enter into the market. I, I would say that having that opportunity to just connect with people is is something that that is important, and, and I hear it all the time that sure. the community is more than just the, the the transaction. It's about building the relationship and and having that support, knowing that if it truly, honestly, and truly that if if there is a need that anyone could send a message or or pick up the phone and call you in order to in order to get advice or get a different perspective, I would say that being being a part of that and being in the flow of that has been important for me in order to support in order to support founders either that i'm investing in or that i'm supporting you know through the advice that i'm giving
0: i mean that's what it comes down to we can we can all read these news headlines about a jet stream slowing down and this and this but i mean climate change is it's it's the, the air you breathe and the and the water you drink it's inherently very personal and very local and having those relationships and those touch points, if not having your own, to those to those issues, whether you came up with unable to afford water or power, or it was dirty, or the infrastructure didn't support it, or working with those folks in the, who are now trying to become founders, because they know those problems better than anyone. That's what's really going to get this done, right? And And again, the perspectives are there. I mean, we've had four economic sort of revolutions, right? In the past couple hundred years, you got agriculture and it's 2021 and, and 99% of rural land is still owned by white Americans. And half of that's by people over 65 industrialization. Right. And still in 2021, 60% of black Americans live near a coal plant. Um, micro trips, like was it the eighties and nineties. So those companies are going public while the war on drugs is going crazy. You know, online and mobile, we still have, we saw last year with COVID, I mean, how many kids of color have no online access at all, much less like a device to put it on? So, you know, Black Americans, for the most part, were were outright denied the opportunity to participate in these, if not being over-indexed on being exposed and affected by them. And now you've got just this year, I mean, it's October and the billions of dollars pouring into climate tech versus even last year, right, which was the most and you've got all these things going on and you've got you know we're still dealing with covid and the, and the red line city blocks are harder than they've ever been but folks in those communities like know those problems best so i guess what active steps do you, are you active, are you are you actually taking to make sure you you guys are getting the deal flow necessary to make sure that these things are actually coming to you to carve out not only the space for yourselves and your fund but also the folks in those communities to say like, I have to be part of this conversation. I need to be able to judge for myself if we should take part in this deal.
1: Sure. Yeah, hey, and, um, I wanted to let Dina talk about the, the full piece a bit, but I, I want to go back to just what you said around just you know what we've seen and it really kind of, I guess double click on this point around why the lived experiences are so important in solving some of these problems. Um, so I want to brag on one of the investments we've made so far hey. uh, in a company in a company called Charge It Help. Charge It Help is a company that is really focused on what's a really critical uh, infrastructure for this clean energy transition, which is uh, electric charging stations. And what they've done is created a a platform and a company that helps maintain that infrastructure, uh, you know, maintain the, the grown infrastructure for EV charge rotation across the, the, the US. But uniquely, what uh, Camille Terry and Yvette Ellis have done, these are the two co-founders of the company. Camille is the CEO of, of Help. Because of their lived experiences, uh, it, you know they've also built in a workforce training program that's part of the the company, and this wasn't done as a bolt on afterwards or an afterthought. This was done uh, on the front end because they their their lived experiences, you know, allowed them to appreciate the fact that as they're working in probably what is going to be one of the fastest growing you know industries in, in, in just the EV charging stations and electric cars that we see on us on the roads. That mm-hmm. uh, they they thought it um, well enough to to make sure that they are. Incorporating a workforce training program so that people within their communities uh, and the communities of where they're going to be servicing and working across the U.S. That that's that's a component of it, right? They they are they're thinking long term about how more people can participate inside this new economy on the ground floor early on, and and I think that's part of what you get with this 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 focus on inclusion and focus on making sure that you have access of capital flow to uh, underrepresented founders, in this case to African-American women that typically, um, broadly speaking in the past, would not have been on the radar of, of a lot of VCs. And this is the type of solving solutions that you get in market where you, you actually have a company that that is fantastically doing great, working in, in, a, in a very important field to, to help us transition to a clean energy future, but it's solving that in a way that I I I, I doubt would come from your typical you know, traditional founders that you find in Silicon Valley, finding that this 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 workforce component that's, that's added to it. The fact that um they are they are bringing others along. Certainly these are going to be really these are great the paying jobs. You know, if you look at the stats of what they do, they pay, they pay better than average living wages, uh, they have their building skill sets and training and training um Folks to participate in this new this new economy, so I just want to say that that's a great example of what we're trying to do and, and the types of investments that I think give you a better solve. Right, uh, not only in the what, but also how how you do that as well. Bina was very instrumental uh, you know, in this investment, so Vida, we should talk more about it and also talk about the the deal flow piece and how we how we source it. Absolutely. So as far as
2: the opportunity with, with Charger Help, but I, I would say that this is the benefit of the relationships that are that are on the EIP platform. Mm-hmm. And we we have the opportunity of conveying deal flow from a number of, of ways on the platform, through the platform, and so on and so forth. The utilities that we have as the predominant LP base for all of our funds is you know, are the utilities and Mm -hmm. they are the ones that are in, in all the markets that we would want to be in. They are not just on the coast, they're in each and every neighborhood across the country. So they have a unique opportunity sitting and servicing different communities. And so they have that access to, to companies, to incubators, accelerators that are going to, Be thoughtful, mindful around the needs of the communities that they serve with, you know, through the through the utilities that they provide them. And not only that, but we we do have a pretty connected platform, um, and and advisors and investors on the platform that are able to convey deal flow from from different areas. And I think that it is incredibly, it you know, it's it's an incredible network that we that we have had, given that. EIP has been in, in existence for you know uh, going on six years now. I, I think that 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 work in the market is something that that cannot be denied and, mm-hmm. and the market does uh, does value our, our input and our investment. And so we, we there's a bit of deal flow that does come through to us as a result of that, and and we are are lucky to to be the beneficiaries of, of that. But the other thing for us, and most especially that, most especially given that we are going earlier in the life cycle, company life cycle, and we are broadening the the groups of uh, groups of entrepreneurs that are coming onto the scene within the energy ecosystem, it is important for us to to share and, and, and grow that network with others that are doing what we are doing. And this is where the investment in the ecosystem has been incredibly important because it has given us an opportunity to, to work with others in order to grow the, in order to grow the pie uh, of, of, uh, of entrepreneurs that are diverse in, within energy. And we are, you know, making sure that we are investing in them and with them through co-investment sure. in the companies that we find to be, you know, interesting, exciting, and that will move the needle yeah. when it comes to the needs that we have within the energy transition. And there, there are there are amazing programs um, that that have been focused on on ensuring that that what we are covering with diversity, with workforce development, with all the things that are important to ensure that the energy transition is inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we, we, we have really good partners in, in that. Um, the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator, where Charger Help, our first investment came out of, is is a a, a program that has been mindful about a, you know address transition within <laughs> energy and so they have worked with companies like charger help to ensure that the work that they want to do to give back to the communities that they're coming from that though that those you know those factors are to be taken into account as they're building the foundation of their organizations and and you know taking that and scaling off of that so that's why you know I I, I charger help is is a a company that is so so unique that it has an incredibly impactful bleeding edge solution that is marrying the the reality of the fact that we do need to make sure that the transition is just and that there that everyone is a part of the that transition and that workforce development is you know in order to move over the workforce that will you know be in these obsolete or what will become obsolete jobs are moving forward along with everyone else uh, within the energy transition.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I feel like we just don't spend enough time uh, in policy and uh, in general in society talking about having the real conversation about what this transition is going to look like for so many of these industries. I mean, you know, there was some news this week about how, you know, France has basically identified they did some of the work and 25% of their, you know, automobile supply chain industry is just going to be gone. And that's that's enormous. And they don't drive nearly as much as we do. <laughs> um, you know, we we have to get ahead of this as much as we can. And again, not just for the people who are in it, but um, and I mean, especially those folks, but there's going to be a number of industries like that. And we have to make them as as thoughtful and as inclusive as we can. I wonder if, just because I feel like I I skipped a beat and you both uh, mentioned this and I just, I, again, I want to help folks understand the picture a little bit. Many of your uh, LPs are some of the country's biggest utilities, which is so fascinating. Can you just briefly talk for a moment about the benefits of having those institutions behind you? Because, you know, in a moment like this, they're being challenged to adapt and mitigate like everyone else, if not if not more so. So it's it's exciting to see them saying like, we're going to actively take part in trying to draw up, you know, the next generation of these investors in these companies and, and infrastructure. So what it, what is that like? And what it, what is sort of the wind behind you from having those folks in your corner?
1: You know, I um, I spent 20 years working in the utility space and really come kind of to appreciate really the role that they've played in the communities that they serve. Again, it's this obligation to serve, right, to provide mm-hmm. consistent, reliable power to everyone. Um, but for us, one of the unique opportunities that our investors have, um, and our investors, it's, it's mostly all utilities, but we have others like you know Cox or um, uh, Microsoft and. and mm-hmm. um, others in, inside of space. But utilities by and large give us, I think, a really unique vantage point and unique um, um, way to deploy capital. So one of the things to note is that most utilities in the US, um, I think certainly for the ones that are part of a fund, are 100 plus years old, right? So these, these are entities that have been in communities uh, for, for over a century. And within this, the, the role they've played, and I mentioned relationships earlier, these these utilities, um, certainly the one I came from, have just tons of relationships within multiple communities uh, in the areas. And so, what we're able to do is leverage those relationships uh, within those communities, and and really overlay this this venture capital you know construct on top of that to make sure that within these communities that they serve, that is not traditionally you know in the west your east and west coast uh, uh, areas, that. We are leveraging those relationships, leveraging the good work that these utilities have done uh, to make sure that capital has flowed uh, Mm -hmm. to these communities, Uh, especially uh, in the accelerators and incubators that these communities uh, and utilities have already invested in. So a great example is there's an energy accelerator of all places in in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Mm -hmm. that's run by a good friend of mine named uh, Nate Schmidt. It's part of Techstars' program. But the Utility Day album I was instrumental to, to uh, getting this this incubator set up. And it's one that's really focused on energy and really focused on uh, the energy future. And, and so we are able to partner with, with, with that program and, and really all the other you know, uh, utilities and their different programs and incubators, accelerators in these communities to ensure that we are identifying and looking for um, those companies that have a role in shaping that, that energy future, uh, using that as a pipeline to look at the um, underrepresented founders uh, that are doing some amazing things, you know, in places like Birmingham, Alabama, or you know, other parts of where 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 we're focused on in, in the rest of America, as as, uh, as as you've heard before. We're also using these utilities um, in, in a way that's really unique for for our diligence process. So. You know, we'll, we'll come back and talk about EIP and the EIP platform, but one of the things that is really key for us is that because of that utility and relationship engagement, we have access to just a, an enormous amount of resources uh, and expertise within these companies. So sure. if we are one day looking at electric transportation or EV charging stations, we, we have just uh, a tremendous amount of resources uh, to draw on from those utility partners who have people who have been spending decades working on this stuff. If we yeah. want to pivot to, you know, um, electrification or you know, carbon carbon capture or whatever it may be, transmission. We, we have yeah. transmission. I mean, we, we all the building blocks, all the key building blocks for that clean energy transition. We have access uh, to that domain expertise. Those resources um, through our utility partners. So it really gives us an unmatched ability to um, not only do diligence, uh, but also to help these startups, right? Sure. To give them the exposure to, to ex- experts in field, uh, to make sure that they are refining their product, refining their services, and, and making sure that they have access to the same type of resources that, you know, other folks have in, in building these companies up. The EIP platform that I think is, is, is just fantastic in that regard. It, it was started in 2015 um, by our founder, a general partner, Hans Kobler, who spent a lot of his time at GE Capital working on corporate venture capital. And, and he's done a lot of work um, in that space and brought it, to this, brought it to the utility space now where we have, what I think is a very unique collaborative model where we, we are helping utilities peer uh, around that corner Looking at new business models, uh, new new new, um, new innovations in the space, mm-hmm. and and then in, they in turn help us with the diligence, but also um, in the type of resources that we can bring to bear. One of the things is really important for all of us that, as we make these investments. Is is what I call the the post investment support, making mm-hmm. sure that beyond just that initial uh, outlay of capital, that we we actually have um, the the expertise necessary and the support necessary. And so we've got a really great, you know, research and innovation commercialization team as part of Energy Impact Partners that helps us, you know, take companies like Charger Help and others that we're looking to make investments in, and really, you know, by sheer force and will, uh, make them market leaders um, in their domain, buy that access to resources and expertise that you otherwise wouldn't get. So I think utilities are in a lot of ways, not only just, again, helping us embed um, in that community, helping us get access sure. to those key communities and those key relationships and, and, and making sure uh, um, venture flows. The other aspect that's becoming really increasingly important is, is that pipeline. It's ensuring that we are working in those educational spaces, and a particular focus from mine is around HBCUs, that right. we are making sure that, you know, we are building the next generation of folks who can work in these in this, in this fields. We know that as we've seen in the past, these, these, uh, these transitions as a whole are more disruptive to uh, people of color. And so to the extent that we can get students ready, prepared, mm-hmm. we are talking now to a, a whole host of HBC, HBCU uh, uh, college universities, um, we've had really great conversations with folks here in Atlanta and the AUC um, and, and really working to prepare the next generation of, of, of students to participate in, in this
0: really um,
1: growing economy.
0: So I want to get specific about that because, you know, our goal we always try to work towards because like, hearing like as constructive as it can be, you know, hearing people talk about climate change for an hour sometimes can be a little sad So, or COVID or whatever it might be. So. We like to empower our community through specific things to one, if it just helps them feel better, great, but two, things that drive systemic change and how they can get involved. Because we have so many people in our community who have either left to do uh, more impactful work in climate or public health or whatever it might be, or they're young people who are trying to get involved in this sort of thing. And that goes down to that college level or uh, you know, even on the community college level, which obviously we do such a poor job of supporting in this country, but it's such a huge, huge class of folks who can contribute. So, you know, you are hoping and and working towards a future that is not only more equitable and inclusive among the general population, but specifically in this industry. And like you said, you're you're already talking to the HBCUs, and and there's this huge amount of young folks who are probably just soaking this conversation up. You didn't start here, though, as we have discussed. How would you counsel those young folks specifically in some of those conversations you're having in, and now to get started to you know be a wedge that can start to make a difference, to carve some space for themselves in having some practical change?
1: You know, I go back to um, how I got into the technology space beyond just the exposure I had um, from, from my father. But I remember being in in the gym, I think it was my you know my junior senior year in high school, and a career counselor came in and said, Hey, I want to talk to you guys about you know what you want to do in the future. And you know, I, I don't think I had a great sense on exactly what that was gonna be for me until they started talking about, you know, you know, technology and 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 um the opportunities that were in this new version online, uh, world. And, and it wasn't until they started talking about just, you know, the, the financial opportunities, like how much money could you make being in these these fields? It really kind of caught my attention. Uh, and I think today, what I would, what I would tell folks is, is, and what I do talk to folks about is not only, you know, I think that these are fields that, Will allow you to not only financially take care of yourself but others in your family. But I think you know these are what I call noble cause roles, right? And noble cause fields where you are doing something that is that is for the betterment of of society for the betterment of our of our planet and, and and that is something that I think when you when you think about how you want to spend your time you, you want to make sure that there's that alignment around something that you really want to do right that, that's a driver and, and there's just so much more precautionality in the types of work and worlds that you have now in, in the future and so I, I do think that, you know, for, for, for students listening in, you know, this is, this is a, a again, the largest economy that we will see in our lifetime. And, and it's also one that, again, requires a software, your lived experiences. Um, you know, you might be thinking that, hey, I, I don't know anything about clean energy. I don't know anything about the environment. Right. But then I'll tell you that, you know, you, know you, you, you do know about your community, you do know about your, your you know, how you were raised and where you're from. and and those are the folks that we need to participate because solving a problem that's in rural Alabama is going to be very different than solving that same climate change problem that's in that's in you know San Francisco right or wherever it may be uh, elsewhere so there is value in in that experience that you have Um, we are we are also working to make sure that the, the fundamentals around, you know, these concepts are being taught. And so as we spend time with uh, HBCU leaders and administrators and teachers, uh, that we are, we're, we're making sure that how we do those key learnings are important. For the past couple of years, I've been really involved in the education space and worked um, on, a, on a project I'm pretty excited about. It's called the uh, Propel Center. Okay. Uh, it's an effort that um, That has um, got uh, Apple and uh, Tim Cook and that bunch involved and and also um, our senior leadership at uh, Southern Company involved as well uh, to build something that is transformative for HBCUs across the, 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 uh, the U.S. And Propel Center is, some, is an augmentation to the incredible work that HBCUs are doing now. You, you've got to recognize that HBCUs have played just an important role in the fabric of the African American community and experience. You, know, you think about just the number of people who graduate in engineering fields, by and large, you have more of those folks come at HBCUs than anywhere else. And as we're looking to the future, what Propel Center aims to do uh, is, is really three main, three main things. One is it's a focus on augmented curriculum where we are co-building curriculum with uh, people like Apple and people like Southern Company and the other uh, sponsors that we're looking to bring on and making sure that we're augmenting that uh, with the curriculum that's taught at HPCU. So you can start to learn about you know machine learning and AI and the role that they can play in the future, and and, and not one of those things where you you studied in school and you you get out and then you have to relearn it because the the, the, the corporation the company you're working for is is you know you, you will you were maybe several books behind a series behind you're, you're learning in real time. So there's no sort of real time curriculum that that for the future is, is is part of what the Propel Center is going to do and uh, support um HP across the country. The other is, is is kind of what we've talked about a little bit, right? It's around these economic opportunities and, and economic opportunities for uh, for people of color and for, for graduates of HBCUs. So whether you're a freshman or you're, you're a senior uh, or you work in the HBCU space, part of the curriculum that's going to be taught is, is how you start to company, you know, how do you, the things that you learn going through an accelerator or, uh, you know, that I learned um, going through an accelerator uh, are, are going to be taught early on so that students uh, early on have that kind of expo- uh, exposure all the way up to, um, you know, providing accelerator incubator support and funding uh, long term so that, you know, you have these ready-made pathways. For you, so when you have an idea uh, that that you want to change the world, you 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 know where to go. Uh, you know what the next step is. I think that's incredibly important, uh, especially when you start thinking about what could come out of that and, and generational wealth that that folks will not have exposure to uh, if we do that in a very intentional uh, way. And then lastly, is around leadership, you know, making sure that we are being very deliberate about building the leadership for the future, uh, ensuring that that. Uh, uh, we're training the next generation of folks to participate locally, you know, in state and federally around so sort the of against systemic issues that we see. Uh, facing our communities. And I think part of that also is, is around you know exposure to things like clean energy, exposure to the impacts of climate change and social justice and whatnot. So we've been incredibly excited to have great partners like Apple and Southern and others that we're bringing on board to, to participate in this. Also the college universities uh, in the HBCU space that, that, that have indicated interest. So sure. we're building this uh, right here in Atlanta. We um, I'm, a, I'm a founder of this, but we've got an incredible team That is is uh, is working on this. Matter of fact, we just brought in a a, a fantastic gentleman by the name of Gene Wade, who comes from Oakland, who's spent all his life really working in the social impact space and in in the educational space. We're excited about what that comes. But I think these are the types of partnerships um, that that we're going to see and need, coupled with with venture capitalists, to make sure that we're taking a, a very holistic picture. Um, of, of what's needed, but also uh, a holistic way of how we solve these uh, these issues going forward.
0: I, I love that. I mean, might as well put this just incredibly huge corporate power to use, um, you know, to really elevate that next generation. Like you said, it's not just identifying deal flow from somebody with an incredible pitch deck that actually passes uh you know muster with with all your utilities who say like yes that information checks out for this market it's going further back and looking at these kids and saying like this is how you start a company you know and you might not know anything about clean energy or transmission or battery storage or whatever but you know about your sense of place and your lived experience and we can we can, we can teach you clean energy, man. Like we can teach you batteries. Like that's not, that shit's not hard. You know, it's that other stuff that's irreplaceable that some nerd can come in and like, just not understand how to do the work on the ground and work with the community to make it work for everyone. And I think we've seen examples of that failing over and over again. So I, I love that you guys are going further and we'll definitely put the, the propel program in the, in the show notes and try to highlight that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, this notion of what you do, but also how you do it is so, so important. Um, you know, the, the other piece that's also fascinating for me, and, and I've, I've been very fortunate to be a founder, too. So, you know, I think Rita talked about, you know, her, her experiences and, and how it shapes, you know, her engagement with, with some of these um, uh, startups that we're looking at. You know, I, I, for one, never thought in a million years that I would be uh, in the venture capital space, uh, but it was because of exposure. And I certainly did believe that I could be a, a founder and entrepreneur in this space. Um, but again, it's, it's to that exposure. So to the, extent, to the extent that we can give that exposure early on, I think some really transformative things could happen.
0: Awesome. Vita, anything specific that you would say to the young folks out there who are coming up? Because, I mean, again, if you take the, um, you know, not to dial it down to the surface level, but, but, but black women are just not a part of the venture capital system in in any significant way and every step you take and success you have can help elevate more folks behind you. So obviously you've got enough on your plate just doing the deal flow on a day-to-day basis, but what would these, give me some examples of specific things that young black women can do to become a part of this. And again, it can come from any different direction, whatever your lived experiences may be, but what are some transferable things you feel like could apply to to those folks that they try to come and, and uh, follow in your footsteps a little bit? So
2: the, the thing that one of the things that has been incredibly important is reaching out to to different people mm-hmm. that are in the in the seats already and okay. and just having that connectivity, learning from, from everyone, because given the reality that you just mentioned, there are not enough of us it to go around to, to help coach up and, and teach uh, all, all the all the women who could be interested in in the venture ecosystem and so i would say that to the extent that you you know it, you know whoever you are that you are able to find someone or a group of people who you trust, who you can speak with, and who you can talk to you about your ideas, and and who you can learn from. That that is absolutely important. And I have been able to, over the years, develop different you know different people from from white men to to, to black black men, Latina women, who have been helpful for me in in terms of providing advice, providing their perspective. And these are the things that I've aggregated over the years in order to shape my, my understanding and my profile uh, and investment style.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I would say that the, all the information that you can get your hands on is absolutely important. Reading and, and, and just staying abreast of what's going on in the market, that is absolutely something that whether or not you, you're talking to me about investment banking or otherwise, or investing, understanding what is going on in the market and just Honing in the honing in the craft by by staying abreast and having an opinion mm-hmm. about what what is transpiring that is also something that is very important and incredibly valuable to to the market. Um, you know, information is power. We're entering into this age where that transfer of information is the currency that we're mm-hmm. that we're working with, and so. Developing your your knowledge base is important in this industry and will take you very far um, as far as you know being successful here, making the right investments, making the right judgment call on mm-hmm. on deals, or even you know, saying, you know. Thanks, but no thanks to any, any opportunity that may not be a great fit and, and even providing that, that knowledge or that feedback to the entrepreneurs that you're speaking with that do need time or that do need, um, you know, some, 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 some knowledge in order to, to go back in and, and refine what it is that they're doing. All of that is helpful within the ecosystem.
0: I love that. Thank you. Um, I, I have kept you guys for, for quite a while here. Um, I'm going to ask you the last couple of quick questions uh, that we ask everyone, and then we'll let you go back to, to uh, saving the world here. Um, uh, for, for both of you, again, just briefly, uh, when was the first time in your life uh, when you realized, whether yourself or part of a group or a team or a class or whatever it might be, uh, that you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? Man, hey,
1: you got some great questions, Quinn. Um, <laughs> the, the two parts are for me. Uh, one is one is one that I hope I never forget. Um, that comes comes to mind. It, it happened when I was very young. I, I was on my way to school, and my father was driving me because I missed the bus. I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as we were headed to school, we came across a car that was directly in front of us that had caught fire. And and the 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 driver at the time was out of the car, but the fire started to engulf. The car, and and there was a police officer that was that actually did have a fire extinguisher in hand when we came upon the car that was trying to put out the fire. And and this this police officer was quite timidly trying to put out this fire, so he would spray the hose, he would go back, spray the hose, and go back. But he he didn't really look like he was really trying to put this fire out. Mm-hmm. And I remember my father just you know getting out the car. Walking up, the, grabbing the fire extinguisher from the police officer, and quite aggressively put it out the fire. Mm-hmm. And 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 over the years, I've just just remarked on you know, um, being a bystander uh, and being active in in solving something or fixing something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and he 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 didn't need license, he didn't need permission, he just he he acted uh, to take care of something. And so I, I I think early on that that kind of gave me the sense that hey look you know it may not be you know a, a, an issue that that you've been you know granted authority to to solve or you've been invited to solve or you know but but you you are empowered to solve it mm-hmm. you know your, your very presence and witness uh, to something uh, is 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 enough and and so I think. For me, uh, it's it's manifested in a whole lot of different ways. Um, One of which was while I was working at Southern Company, I started to work a lot in our renewable energy space. And after working in this space for a while, I came to a couple of insights that, hey, I I think there's a market to help connect more customers um, to renewable energy infrastructure and, and carbon credit infrastructure. And I took it to our leadership and, you know, at the time I was I was just a director in the, in the company. Uh, and I took it to our CEO at Alabama Power and, and he thought it was it was a decent idea. And I you know, it's kind of like you play the video games with bosses, you get beat level one and you get to yeah. level two, level three.
0: Right.
1: So I finally made it to the CEO of Seven Company and, and essentially, you know, we, we I discussed with him. I, I think I want to I think we should start a company. I want to start a company inside of seven company. And and this is a you know pretty big multi-billion dollar company it's like i wanted to start up and and he listened he didn't, he didn't kick me out, out of his office but he listened and he gave me the funding to the start it so i started a company called cloverly which is uh a sustainability as a service platform that helps brands get access to carbon credit uh infrastructure through an api so we built an mm-hmm. api for carbon offsets and and so while i was at southern i had two roles i was the vice president ultimately uh uh, of a multi-state region external friends and communications and also a CEO of a startup. But it was a CEO of, of a startup, uh, of a clean tech startup, that I felt empowered by myself, you know, to take the actions necessary and have the discussions necessary to go to go create. And, and I think as I as I you know spent two and a half years working on this startup that has since now spun out of Southern Company and have raised money from SoftBank and, and others. And we've we've growing fantastically. We've got a a leadership team in place that's doing just just an incredible job. I've now transitioned as a founder and and on the board. It's it's again a reminder that you know, going back to the last question and what you advise folks is that you know, you are empowered to solve these problems in your own way, right? Um, I didn't have that, you know. You know, uh, you know, a full resume of a clean energy background, or, or
0: right.
1: uh, working in, in the SaaS space, you know, uh, or whatnot. You know, you, you you saw you saw something that you thought could be better, uh, and and you leaned into took that action. So, you know, I, I I would I would say just you know for me it's just knowing that you can. Uh, and being, being feeling empowered, especially when we start thinking about some of these really big issues like climate change and, and social uh, injustice uh, that we see in our society. Everyone is empowered. You know, I'm hoping everyone who's listening feels empowered to take some sort of action big or small and trying to figure out how to solve that.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Peter, what about you? What was that moment for you?
2: You know, a few years out of undergrad, I, I had the opportunity to opportunity to go back to my first company as a revenue generator. And I became a, a, a corporate beverage buyer for a convenience store chain that is based in the Southeast. And I I would say that that opportunity that I had to lead a team and to drive the strategy around the, you know, around the relationships with your, the Coke, Pepsi Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, as it was known then, and 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 managing those relationships, mm-hmm. but really setting a, a plan and a strategy for how we were going to engage and 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 then market to the customers, and you know. You know, be pl- or at least order our placement in the different regions that we operated in, including mm-hmm. the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, in Florida, in, in in the Atlanta area. That was a great opportunity for me. That was a great opportunity for me. And a person as the only person or female of color doing doing that level of work, it was it was incredible uh, being able to you know have a woman of color on my team look up to me, she was older too, but she looked up to me as a person who had been able to conquer mm-hmm. the the barrier of getting to this position sure. and, and having this level of authority within the work that we were doing together. And so that was amazing for me. And it, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, Set the set the terms of my team get my, my my team the raises that they had deserved for years before I started and it was it was a, a place where I started to play around with my my management uh, skills and opportunity and and really leaning into making sure that the team that I was working with was taken care of on uh, you know under my care uh, or under my under my watch while I was a a buyer so that was that's where it started for
0: me. That sounds like quite the revela- revelation. Yeah,
2: for sure, for sure.
0: So work is hard. Uh, Vito's skipping Halloween. My man's got to attend a soccer game that could go one way or the other. What otherwise when we're not working? What is what is your self care? What is your off time? How what what is your trashy TV? Whatever it might be walks in nature. Everybody's got something. How are how you how are you dealing right now? You know, for me, it's um,
1: it's fun and just the time to spend. With, I've got two boys, and so the time I spend with them is just uh, is my relief because the world through their eyes is is fascinating, it's mm-hmm. it's hilarious, it's funny, um, and it's just completely different. Uh, and so, um, I've got uh, one that is uh, <laughs> a, a, uh, a soccer player now. That is, uh, as I told you earlier in the call. Uh, we, we we spend a lot of time on the field, uh, and the other that is just an avid reader of, yeah. of everything you put in front of him. It's funny we we had a parent teacher conference the other day, and I told my wife, you know, the feedback we get from our teachers is that our kid doesn't want to put down his book to read before class starts. And I, 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 I don't know if I should do anything about that or not, but...
0: It's a tough one, right?
1: It's a tough one, you know? Uh, but, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's really spending time with the family. It's spending time with the boys. It's just such a, such a relief. Uh, and I think one thing I've learned through COVID, I think we've all learned is that just, just any time you have a family, it's just so precious. Um, so you got to soak it up
0: while you can. 100%. Vita. what about you?
2: So, um, I guess you, little secret here. One of my primary love languages is quality time, and so having the opportunity to spend quality time with family and friends and catching up, it, it and 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 just having the time to to learn about what everyone else is doing, it really does break up the monotony of. Of spending all the time that I have to myself working and, and such, so I do try to take as much time as I can, whether it be seeing someone in person or, or phone call with grandma. I, mm-hmm. I try to do all of it during during the time that I have open and available, and that really does help recharge me. It helps to ground me, True. and and uh, and it helps keep things very interesting.
0: I I love that. Yeah, it's um I, fe- I feel like we've this this has taught. If not all of us, then most of us, how how vital those one-on-one moments can be, that quality time. You got you to gotta fight for them, but there's truly nothing better. Last one. What's a book you each have read this year uh, that has either opened your mind to a topic or an idea you hadn't considered before, or has actually changed your thinking in some way? And we got a whole list up on Bookshop, and uh, we'll throw those up on it.
1: Yeah, I... Um... I did something I never I've never done this year or rather my whole life I went on a um, on a thought week after I changed my, my roles and for those of who don't know I think Bill Gates made it popular yeah you know go to one of his fancy houses and spend weeks at a time
0: right people describe it as a cabin I think I'm fairly sure it's not like a cabin <laughs> but...
1: <laughs> Yeah. well I, I don't I, I didn't have any of those uh, I, 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 but I did go uh, Airbnb actually in a cabin in the woods for a few days. And I read uh, I read a bunch of books. And one of the books that I, I actually had on my shelf that I hadn't read was given to me uh, by Clay Christensen before he passed. And it's, um, it's a book he, I think the last book he wrote, which was, which was called How Will You Measure Your, Your Life? And it was it was just uh, it was a just a great moment for me uh, as I was transitioning roles and working 20 years uh, at the utility and 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 transitioning from the startup that I that I helped create uh, into this you know VC space that uh, this mission as a whole was just really important to me and one of the drivers for me getting there. And so one of the things that was was uh talked about in this book was your own your own life you know, mission statement and how you operate and how you measure your life right at the end of the day. And I think Clay had a really great perspective um, on it based on just just the number of things that he he had gone through in his life and, and the, the number of students that he touched while at Harvard. And so um, it's one that I definitely would recommend. And it's one of those books where I actually wish I read it earlier in life uh, because it would give me probably a better compass for the things that are important um, and, and really answer a lot of the why of what you do. And for me, it was, I, I'm a builder and I like to build things at scale. At least mm-hmm. I want to build things at scale to help um, the, the, you know, the people of this world and, and, and the communities that, I, that I'm in. And so this kind of really honed some of that for me and really helped uh, put, uh, I think, the right kind of focus going into this role um, as a managing partner of Elevate Future Fund and, and helped me understand the type of impact that I want to make. But that's really important for me, but also in the communities that I and that I serve.
0: I love that. I, I, I too, have tried to spend some real time thinking about that in the past few years. I think kids do that to you a little bit. Pandemics do that to a little bit. <laughs> But uh, it's helpful to have somebody who actually uh, can so eloquently, like like he like he did, uh, you know, think through those things on the page, so that it applies to more folks. Vita, what about you? What's on your bookshelf?
2: Um, so a few books, but one one that I was able to get to more recently is "Resisting Happiness" by Matthew Kelly. Okay, and so it's a it's a book that does provide you know advice and you know practical advice around uh, the this, the self-sabotage that happens when, when you are trying to, to live a good life, but there are different things that, that put the, um, I guess you could say, like put the chink in the happiness armor. And so this book is essentially like a, a, you know, a reflection on, on how it is that we can, you know, dive into those rabbit holes for, you know, dive into those rabbit holes and, and kind of lose our way and lose sight of, of, of the journey that we're on and therefore our happiness. So that's a, a really great read and, and a great reminder to, um, you know, to make sure to not be your worst enemy when you are on your life journey.
0: Sure. I, I think that's uh, very helpful. You know, the, the easy thing everybody always says is, uh, you know, as you beat yourself up, like, oh, would you say this to your best friend or your kid or whatever? And you're like, no, of course not. But I'm probably going to continue saying it to myself, but we really should not do that. It's real, it's, just not, it's just not helpful in any way. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing those. We'll, we'll put those on the list. Y'all, where can uh, our listeners follow you online and, and how the fund is going and everything before we get you out of here?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to do it now is going to energyimpactpartners.com. We, okay. uh, we'll make some, um, some updates on how we're progressing on our website.
0: Rock and roll.
2: And you can find us on LinkedIn as well.
0: Awesome. Are either of you on Twitter at all? I mean, for better or worse, clearly, like it depends on the day.
2: Absolutely, I'm on Twitter. Okay, I'm not on Twitter
1: uh, in in an invisible way, but
2: bless you. uh,
1: Yeah, I may have to get on
0: there. No, no, no. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. It's uh, it's it's dangerous. Well, thank you guys so much for for sharing your time for everything you're doing. Uh, what you're the path you're carving, the the effect you're having um, as we truly try to build something new here that just includes more folks and considers more folks. Um, so thank you. And thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Gwen. Thanks. All right. Glenn. Awesome. Thanks to our incredible guest today. And thanks to all of you for tuning in.